0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Today we have Brooke Pryor on the Pittsburgh Steelers beat and Mike Triplett talking about the New Orleans Saints, two fascinating teams in a tiny bit of turmoil. We're going to get to that, but first, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to quickly tell you about another ESPN podcast hosted by my friend Mina Kimes. And it's the Mina Kimes Show featuring her dog, Lenny. Mina talks all things football every week with her unique brand of humor and insight. So go download and subscribe to Mina and her dog, Lenny, as well, of course, as the Bill Barnwell Show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now here's our show. All right. Joining me now, as promised, here on the Bill Barnwell Show, regular contributor to the show, talking about all things New Orleans Saints, our beat writer, covering the Saints at ESPN, Mike Triplett. Mike, how are you?
1: Doing well. Thanks
0: for having me. Always a pleasure to have you on. The foremost authority on all things New Orleans Saints. And Mike, I wanted to have you on. We were talking a little bit before we started today, and this is something I I feel like I've noticed as well. So the Saints seem to be having the same season they've had each of the last two years. (laughs) Yeah, This is a, a team that is consistently very, very good. I think the standards are extremely high for the New Orleans Saints. But after a hot stretch, a long winning streak in the middle of the season, 2018, the team lost to the Cowboys. 2019, the team lost to the Falcons and then to the 49ers in that classic game last year in December 8th. And now, most recently, in Week 14, lost to the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts in his first NFL start, 24-21. And I don't know about you. You obviously have many more Saints fans following you than following me. But I would describe the reaction to this one loss from a team that is still 10 and three as unrestrained panic. (laughs) So let me, let me ask you, do you think that is an accurate representation of how saints fans feel right now? And then following up, do you think that is a fair sentiment for them to have?
1: Well, okay. The saints fans is, is one category. And I will say that the success of this team has, has created that. I mean, this is, without question, a Super Bowl or bust. Team I mean, the mm-hmm. team is Super Bowl or bust. The fan base is Super Bowl or bust. It's the only thing they can be judged by. So, yes, a nine-game winning streak is not enough. You're not allowed to have a day like that. Um, one thing that would cure that would be a victory over the Kansas City Chiefs. Everything mm-hmm. will be perfectly fine if they do that. But I think that might play into it. I think a lot of people worried, oh, no, you lost the gimme at Philadelphia, and now you got the Chiefs. Is this a two-game streak we're going to look at? Are we not going to be the number one seed? Mm-hmm. Um, and and then uh, and then of course, I mean, the Saints' history of gut-wrenching playoff losses—they're like the only team ever to, to to twice go thirteen and three and be a three seed. Mm-hmm. Now they're in line to become the first ever number two seed that doesn't get a bye. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, you know, look, the, 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 everybody wanted that one seat bad because it means so much, uh, obviously, to get that by and to, to host in the playoffs. And because mm-hmm. the, it's been a decade now of good teams that haven't made it through the playoffs. So that that leads to the panic. You say I completely agree with you. This season all of a sudden feels like the last two seasons where where, you know, will they have enough gas left. to You know, mm-hmm. did they play their best football in November or can they finally play their best football in January? Mm hmm.
0: From the from the big picture here, just thinking about what happened the moment Drew Brees, or when it was announced that Drew Brees was dealing with 11 broken ribs, and we knew Taysom Hill was going to take over at quarterback. Over those first four games, Atlanta, Denver, Atlanta, Philadelphia, three of those games on the road, if you had told Saints fans then, hey, you're going to go 3-1 and one yeah. in those four games, do you think they would have taken that and then maybe— Uh, because they were so good in those first three games that having that fourth loss was almost more disappointing.
1: Yeah, no question. I mean, I think I said that to somebody just the other day. Yeah, Taysom Hill going three and one is is, everybody would have signed up for that. Um, And I do think I think it's the back to back. I mean, and and first of all, it's the fact that you can't lose a game in in this in this battle with Green Bay for the Mm number one seed, which means so much. But but I, I think it also is 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 the looming specter of the Chiefs coming to town um that they don't want this to be a, a two-game losing streak a, a win over the chiefs like i said solves everything but yeah. but it, it was concerning because that that was one more you're going to be able to put in the bank and and one that they should have been able to win i i, yeah. I think what was disappointing is you know it, it, the there was panic after that 49ers game last year too that was mm-hmm. Uh, um, disappointing for another reason but at the scene, at least the Saints looked good in that game the Saints just looked so lousy at Philadelphia mm-hmm. I mean Sean Payton has not bitten his tongue all week I mean Taysom Hill had one of his worst starts but the offensive line had its worst game the defensive line had its worst game that we've seen in a long time it was just one of those true flat performances that that it wasn't just one loss on the record it was oh man we were thinking the Saints team was getting ready to make a Super Bowl run, and, and they looked so lousy in that game. So even more important than get back on a winning track is is inspiring confidence again.
0: Was it the Falcons game last year where uh, yes. didn't Sean Payton <laughs> get engaged before the game? What, what was the story of that game? I'm, I'm forgetting.
1: Well, they, they had the bye week the week before, yeah. So a lot of people were, were critical of that, but but uh, which, you know, I didn't put a lot of credence into, but look, it is, it is one of the unfortunate realities. And and I assume you could be talking to to our Steelers reporter book prior and having this conversation right now. It's hard to do this for four straight months, six straight months. If you include January and February um, the same history is littered with those, those, those duds that come out of nowhere. Um, uh, but I imagine a lot of teams have that as well. Uh, but a very, very apt comparison, a, a game they just didn't show up for last year. So they've had one of those now two years in a row. And and that Cowboys game in 2018, as you mentioned earlier.
0: Very funny that you mentioned that, because our other guest later on in the show is, in fact, our Steelers reporter. I mean, you know, hey, well, I, you,
1: just, you must be you must be in the yeah you, know, you don't you don't want to you don't want to talk to Bill's. Reporters this week, you don't want to talk to cheese reporters. Is this the downer episode of the Bill Barnwell show? They're all downer <laughs>
0: episodes in their own way. I don't
1: know.
0: I mean, I, I think this is fascinating because I mean, I have to watch, I have to cover every team, I have to listen to every team, I I hear fans from every team, and I, I don't want to say Saints fans are spoiled. That's the wrong way to put it, but I think the expectations for these teams are so incredibly high that you know, I mean. Yeah as someone who watches the Giants every week. You know the Giants won one game against the Seahawks, and it was wow. <laughs> you got everything figured out. Every move we made over the past three years is correct. Everything is great. You know, and I think with the Saints, it's almost the opposite. Where the default is just, you know, if you don't win and win comfortably, if you if you have an off week, suddenly that's proof that you're not good enough. And I mean just. You know, every team in the league has an off week. The Chiefs have off week. Chiefs lost to the Raiders, who are not a great football team, a good team, but not a, you know, a dominant football team by any means. The Packers lost to who did the Packers
1: lose to earlier this year? Um, The Vikings. Vikings, They had a pretty bad loss to the Vikings.
0: Yeah, it feels like everyone has a game or two like this each year, and maybe, you know, do do you think it's fair that? The fans uh, of the Saints or the Steelers or any team like that, you know, that that fans sort of yeah. latch onto that and say okay, well now we're doomed. I mean, it just seems like it's such a well difficult
1: I way think to the live. The Saints and the Steelers, I think the Saints and the Steelers are a good comparison in this sense. Mm-hmm. Um there's two things that 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 make that happen to a fan base. Um, one is your expectations get high because you've been good for over a decade, which sure. which is true with the Saints for the most part without some blips on the radar. I mean, they've become one of these teams that just expects greatness. But two, there is very much a clock ticking on this team. I mean, I think the expectation is that this will be Drew Brees' last year. And because the salary cap is going to shrink unexpectedly next year, they're going to have some very – it's going to be very, very tough for them to keep all of these star players they've amassed on this team. So these last couple years have felt like – a window closing, so to speak. Now, they're so talented that they're going to continue to be competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think even if Drew Brees retires and, and they can't sign every one of their free agents this year, I still think everybody is going to expect this to be a playoff team next year. I agree. But this is probably the most talented top-to-bottom team in the NFL. You know, their offense, mm-hmm. they, they don't do any one thing as well as the Chiefs play offense. But, um, the, the you know, I mean, they've got double-digit, pro bowl all pro type of players on offense defense and special teams and you want to win while you have that um you know the last two years last three years really but especially the last two years were very much missed opportunities and and it it feels like this is the last best chance to uh to go for it
0: Mm -hmm, absolutely in terms of Taysom hill's performance um you know obviously the eagles game was not his best showing. The Broncos game, he struggled. Falcons games were much better. In terms of his overall performance, if you had to give Taysom Hill a grade, what would you give him?
1: Well, what's funny about that? Uh, well, for, uh, real quick question: Are we grading him against every other quarterback in the NFL, or are we grading him against Taysom Hill expectations? Because That's a fair it's probably a different answer. That you know, yeah,
0: um, I, I would say Taysom Hill I think no he expectations
1: exceeded. I, I think he's exceeded expectations. I mean, there mm-hmm. were people who thought it was a joke, who were calling him a gimmick. Oh yeah, who were saying, you know, Sean Payton's uh, bravado has got the best of him. I, I, you know, I think though, I think those critiques have been dismissed. Yep. Taysom Hill has proven that he is a guy worth evaluating. Mm-hmm. Not, not the answer, not the definitive answer. I, some of the things that popped into my mind, and I did not watch close enough, but. Is this not probably what Drew Locke looked like last year? In his first, I don't know for sure. I mean, there's, there's some things that he still has a long way to go. But he very much, you know, he's almost threw for 300 yards. He's uh, completed 71% of his passes. All the things people thought he couldn't do. They thought mm-hmm. he couldn't be a passer. What's surprised, you know, but at the same time, you look, and, and especially since we're used to seeing Drew Brees and even Teddy Bridgewater, you know, he doesn't get to that second and third read very well. He's held the ball too long in the pocket, got sacked five times. He's fumbled too much. So some of that stuff will really need to come a long way with experience. The thing that has surprised me most is I always thought, and, and I still think you can win with Taysom Hill as Sean Payton designs a great offense for him. Mm-hmm. If the first read is there, he throws to wide open Michael Thomas. He throws to wide open Alvin Kamara or Emmanuel Sanders or Troy Quint Smith. And if it's not there, then he takes off running mm-hmm. and, and looks sort of like Jalen hurts looked like in mm-hmm. this game. I'm actually very surprised. They haven't featured his legs more. Cause I think he's a decent thrower and an exceptional runner. And, mm-hmm. and they have not featured his running very much, whether that's to get him comfortable, to make sure that he doesn't rely on that too much, I, almost to a fault. I, I think, they probably could have won this Eagles game. If he had run more, he got mm-hmm. sacked five times and only ran for 33 yards. That, that was probably the biggest surprise to me of the, of the, of his time at quarterback more, more of a thrower than I thought and less of a runner than I thought. Yeah. I mean, absolutely.
0: He had 38 pass times and only five rushes against the Eagles a week ago. And I think what I found interesting about Taysom Hill so far is, you know, when he has run, he's generally been pretty impactful and that's not a surprise as a passer. In the moments where you thought, okay, he might struggle, he's been good. I mean, the Falcons game, the second Falcons game was kind of a moment where we could sit there and say, okay, well, now, you know, we've seen it. We've seen this defense get tape on him. They've seen him play. They should have some familiarity. You know, the Falcons defense is not great, but they should be better the second time around. And they weren't. Taysom was much better in that game, I thought, as a passer, especially on third and long situations. And then last week, you know, first half, they get down 17 0, I think. And you figure, okay, well now Taysom Hill has to throw. You know, there, there's no choice; he can't run the football. Um, he's going to be, you know, he has to throw. The Eagles know he has to throw, and it's going to be messy. And he was much better in the second half, and he had been in the first. I've made a lot of very solid throws. I mean, the game came down to a couple things here and there, and I think he, you know, with like that fourth and one back maybe, but overall, I mean, he was making throws downfield. He was moving the football as a passer. You know, it, it wasn't Drew Brees, but it wasn't like it was. You know, you wouldn't think anything different about Taysom Hill as an NFL quarterback, not knowing anything else about him, uh, based on how he played in the second half of that game. So I think, you know, I've been surprised that in situations where you would figure he's going to struggle, he's actually done quite
1: well. Yeah. And, and one thing that everybody has universally agreed on is like his poise, his composure, his confidence, his ability to lead the huddle. He has all of those intangible traits. Um, You know, there's a reason Sean Payton did fall in love with him, you know, like, uh, you know, he, you know, he first believed him as a, as a football player and has always believed him as a quarterback. He, he, he's got that it factor, which is uh, often hard to quantify. And he Mm -hmm. certainly has throwing ability. I mean, the two touchdown passes in the second half of Philadelphia, were gorgeous throws, um, but it's decision-making, it's recognition, which, again, like I said, is is probably what you would say. The difference is he's 30 years old, obviously, and mm-hmm. he has been on this team for four years. But it's probably the same things that a lot of young and experienced quarterbacks struggle with. So I have to imagine that if they did give Taysom Hill the entire offseason – and the job heading into next year, we would see more polish and we'd see a more effective quarterback, but that is still a huge if, uh, and, and Jameis Winston is still very much a contender in addition to other options in the draft and free agency.
0: Of course. And I mean, Jameis Winston will be a free agent. Taysom Hill is under contract. Um, Drew Brees, I mean, obviously his future seems uncertain. Um, do you think we are sort of too aggressive to assume that Drew Brees is going to retire? I mean, obviously maybe he doesn't know, you know, we don't know yet, obviously, but right. I mean, Taysom Hill does have a significant contract for 2021. I mean, are we just too quick to make that assumption that it'll be Taysom Hill's team next year?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think all the signs point toward Drew Brees retiring. I- he came close to deciding to retire this last off season. Sean mm-hmm. Payton speaks as though he's-, he's prepared for Drew Brees to retire. Um, But Drew himself has not come out and announced that decision and he surprised them with his decision last year. So I think if the Saints won the Super Bowl or even got to the Super Bowl, you know, maybe that would be enough. But the fact that Breeze is missing so much time with an injury and this has been such a weird season, you know, you never know if he decides I can't go out like that. I need to come back for one. I mean, that's the unknown factor, but they're certainly preparing as if.
0: Yeah, and I think that's fair. I mean, And I think Taysom Hill has shown, you know, has done nothing to make Sean Payton change his mind if he thought Taysom Hill was going to be the guy next year. I mean, you know, even if Taysom Hill does not have maybe the long term, you know, uh, 15 year career on board just because he is so, you know, further along as opposed to other quarterbacks with his level of experience. I mean, it still seems like he's. The guy and and how he's played this year, you know, ups and downs it still make me think that he's going to be that guy if Drew Brees does retire.
1: He he seems like, I mean, look, Jameis Winston is a fascinating part of this conversation. I, sure. I think the Saints are high on him. I don't think the fact that they went with Taysom Hill means they didn't like what they saw from Jameis Winston. It, it was Hill's turn, as Peyton said even again mm-hmm. this week. He had made a commitment to him, and and you know he was you know Hill had earned this. He he had done everything they asked for four years, and and it was his turn to get this opportunity. But um, so Winston is very much a, another factor. But I, I think Hill seems like a perfect bridge quarterback. You know, if you draft a guy, or if you wait until you draft a guy, he he could hold that job temporarily. Mm-hmm. What I I would be more surprised if they would go to like another free agent. You mm-hmm. know, if they would be really? like, you know. Ryan Fitzpatrick or, you know, uh, uh yeah. Nick Foles, if the bears, you know, I, I don't, I don't think you need to look in that class of quarterbacks. I think, I think Hill is at least, uh, you know, rules that out. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. So I want to finish up with this because this is something that I was thinking about a couple of weeks ago and I wanted to ask you what you think about it. Let me ask you a question actually first last year when Drew Brees was injured, how did the saints do? What was their record? five and oh. Okay, so Drew Brees has missed four games this year, and their record this year is?
1: <laughs> now three and one.
0: Three and one. So one loss, hey, not not ideal. I didn't know there was
1: going to be a quiz here. No quiz, know.
0: but you passed, yeah, I got a you passed the quiz. <laughs> I, I had faith in you, not going to lie. So eight and one over the last yeah. two years without their Hall of Fame quarterback. How on earth? Do we not have more conversations about Sean Payton as a possible coach of the year candidate? I mean, I I understand that the Saints are a good football team. It seems like he deserves some of the credit for making that
1: happen. No, it's fascinating. And and look, part of it is because this has happened over time with the Mm -hmm. Saints and and not just in one year. But But that really defines what this team has become during the stretch. If they win one more game, it'll be their fourth straight NFC South championship. They've won the most games in the NFL since 2017. They have the best record in the NFL. And it's because, which is pretty stunning to me, because I've covered them throughout the entire Peyton Breeze era, they used to be a team that threw for 5,500 yards, Mm -hmm. 5,200 yards. If they lost Breeze, they were sunk. They a lot of times had the number 32 defense. But now they can win games with a run game. They can win games solely because of their offensive line. They can win games 12 to 9 because of their defense. They can mm-hmm. win games because they've got the best special teams in the league. It, it's really remarkable how they've reshaped this team. Not to mention that they played six games without Michael Thomas this year, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and last year, they played a couple games without Alvin Kamara. It, it, it's the depth and the diversity they've built on this team is really remarkable. And And I think it makes people... I go back to the Steelers. I mean, I hear people criticize the Saints all the time when when they they win ugly. Mm-hmm. I watch the Saints, and they just that team just doesn't excite me because it's like you have a different expectation for the Saints. But but then the other teams, they would say, oh, they just always they're gritty, they're tough. Mm-hmm. You know, the Saints have become the tough, gritty team, um, sort of sort of without people really realizing it.
0: Do you think it's just the weather? Like, do you think that you, we only say gritty teams are like you <laughs> know, playing in cold weather? Like, you can't be gritty in a dome.
1: Yeah. Well, and to be fair, the Saints have have been down fourteen uh, and down seventeen mm-hmm. and. and they the two ugliest games I think were uh against the Raiders in week two on Monday night football and then mm-hmm. against the Chargers in week five on Monday yep. night football. If you're just glancing at the Saints team <laughs> mm-hmm. occasionally when they were on T V in the first few weeks of the season, they have played pretty ugly, but uh but it is it is true that we we always just assume this is a team that goes as Drew Brees goes and, and it's become very different around it. Absolutely. Well,
0: Obviously a big game coming up for the saints this weekend against the Kansas city chiefs. I'm sure everyone will be watching Mike Triple, where will you be covering that game? Where can people check out your coverage of the saints?
1: I'll be in the Superdome for this one. They, they've been they, another reason they lost to Philadelphia. They had three straight road games. So it's yeah. been a while since I've seen them in, in new Orleans. So I'll be there and yeah, you can find all the coverage on the uh, saints page on ESPN.com.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you. We'll get back to the show in a second, but first, this podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple, Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE, that's the number eight, S-A-V-E, Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8 Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. Now back to the show. All right. We talked about Brooke Pryor coming on the show in the first segment, and here she is, our Steelers Beat reporter for ESPN, Brooke we have a lot to talk about when it comes to the Steelers, but first, how are you?
2: I'm great. I am sitting with a dog looking at snow, so like, how can I complain about anything?
0: That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. However, you would think that a team that was 11-0 would have little to complain about, and yet, two weeks later, here we are. The Pittsburgh Steelers are now 11-2. They're no longer in first place in the AFC. And after the Saints segment where we talked about maybe fans who have years of uh, not only lengthy success, but also then post-season frustration over the past decade, leading to some maybe uh, early signs of panic after a tough loss or two. It feels like we're having the same sort of thing with the Steelers here. Um, do you think, I, I, I get, let me start with this. How would you rate the fan base's, level of anxiety after these last two games and how fair do you think that level of anxiety is?
2: You know, I can tell you based on my mentions mm-hmm. after games, there is a lot of anxiety, a lot of, I mean, if it, it's a good thing that coaches are not fired based off things that are said about them on Twitter <laughs> um, because the Steelers offensive coordinator, Randy Fechner, would have been gone like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I and I understand the frustration. That's the thing. It's I think that in some ways it's warranted because I feel a similar frustration watching from the press box or my couch wherever I happened to be that Sunday. But mm-hmm. I think that the fan base is very frustrated by what appear to be unimaginative play calls mm-hmm. doing the same thing over and over again with the same amount of success, which is not a lot. Um, And I think that that fans are just really tired of it. And they got a glimpse of what this offense can be early on when Matt Canada was being incorporated more his play calling, when Mm -hmm. Ben was given the ability or maybe took the ability to draw the plays up in the proverbial dirt and just run no huddle. And it looked really, really good. And the last two, really three weeks, I know they've only lost two in a row, but in my mind, that Ravens game where the Ravens. You know, it's played on a Wednesday. The Ravens are missing a ton of guys because of COVID. The offense looked really bad there, too. They're just, there is not a run game. Receivers are dropping balls. When they are catching them, there are these short passes. They're not able to move the ball down the field. When they do try to go down the field, Ben is off target or he's underthrowing. And I think that the fan base is really frustrated and kind of concerned that, you know, the Baltimore game was supposed to be a wake-up call that, hey, you almost lost your undefeated season. Okay, then they lose to Washington. All right, maybe that's going to be the wake-up call. Mm -hmm. And then they just get drugged by Buffalo and are being said that that they're soft and they're not a physical team. Mm -hmm. That's what this team is supposed to be. I understand why fans are frustrated. So I I don't think that it's unwarranted at all seeing seeing their team that started off so hot Mm -hmm. now kind of be in a slump with only three games left in the regular season.
0: Makes sense. Um, in terms of, well, let's I guess a, couple, a few things to start of here. Let's talk about the issues with this offense. Let's go one by one. Let's start with the pass catching. I mean, obviously, we all know this is a talented group of receivers, and, and they're capable of great things. They're also capable, seemingly, of dropping the football, which is something they've done quite a bit over the past two weeks. So from your perspective, having watched this team in and out every week, Is this an issue that's happened all year and it's gotten more noticeable in the past two or three weeks? Or is it really just maybe a a recent trend when it comes to the Steelers struggling to catch a lot of these passes?
2: I mean, the guys that are dropping balls are ones that have kind of been doing it all along. I mean, Eric Ebron coming in, that was one of his knocks was that he's not great. As a blocker, and he also has a habit of dropping passes. Mm-hmm, Deontay Johnson, early on this season, even in the first couple of games, was either getting injured or making these like "what are you doing?" plays. I think he left a punt early on. Mm-hmm. He was just—it seemed like he had to have one big mistake in the beginning of a game, and then he kind of got back on track. But recently, it seems like these guys that have a knack for dropping balls are just dropping more. And then because the rest of the offense isn't working, it's harder to overlook that or say like, oh, well, that was a bad one. They'll get it back. They'll they'll mm-hmm. still be able, you know, they have a couple more downs. They'll figure it out. Now it seems like the drops are more prevalent. I mean, Deontay Johnson had three mm-hmm. uh, in a game. He had two in back-to-back series uh, that got him benched for the rest of the half. It's a problem. But then you also, you can't afford to take those guys off the field because it's a high-risk high reward thing. And Deontay Mm -hmm. Johnson is easily their best offensive weapon Mm -hmm. when he's holding on to the ball, but you can't guarantee that he's going to do that. And I think it just leads to a lot of frustration and a lot of confusion. And Ben said he had a heart to heart with him on the field Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the first half. He said he wouldn't tell us what he said, um, but that he thinks it helped and he saw him respond to the second half. But I mean, how long is he going to be able to, to keep having these mistakes and rebounds. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it's an unnecessary emotional roller coaster for these guys.
0: <laughs> the unnecessary emotional roller coaster might be the best way <laughs> to describe 2020 <laughs> I've heard so far. <laughs> um, you mentioned the running game. That seems to me, and please correct me if I'm wrong, something that's been a problem throughout the entire season as opposed to be a problem in more recent weeks.
2: It has been. It. That has been a huge issue the entire season. And I don't think it's one that you can entirely blame on James Conner. Whereas last year, I think a lot of the frustration and the lack of run game was that Benny Snell was a rookie. Jalen Samuels was, is, is versatile, but he's not necessarily in every down back. Mm-hmm. The rest of that group, I mean, they were signing guys off the street and playing them on Sunday or, or brief it on the practice squad, like a Kareth White, a Trey Edmonds, who's up and down all year. Mm-hmm. This year, I mean, James Conner, he had COVID. Uh, he dealt with, I think it was a minor ankle foot injury early on. Now he's dealing with the quad thing, but it hasn't been the long absences that we saw last year. Mm-hmm. I think this year, the bigger problem is this offensive line as good as they've been in the past and is, you know, veteran, a group as this is, they are getting older mm-hmm. and they just aren't able to move guys and they aren't creating the holes that they need For these running backs. And then I think the other thing is these backs, much like the offense, just keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. I also don't think that they're maximizing their guys in a way that they should. Like they have a guy like Anthony McFarland, who is supposed to be the speedy change of pace back. Mm -hmm. And instead they're running him up the middle. That's not Anthony McFarland's game. And they're also throwing to him on fourth and one mm-hmm. with this wheel route that Ben admitted later. Yeah. I threw it like he was a receiver. I shouldn't have put, in that, put him in that position. Mm-hmm. No, you shouldn't have because he only had, I think what, four or five receptions in his career. And right. you're going to him on the most crucial fourth and one of the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just think that at this point they are not being as physical as they need to be both the running backs, but also the offensive line. And then when they have a chance to use their depth, they're not using it in the right way. And some of that's on play calling. Some of that is on just not incorporating um, the, the right elements of the run game. But I, I, again, it's it's where I understand the fans' frustration because I feel it as I'm watching the game. And that's not to say that I think I should be calling plays because I, there are so many more things that, that I <laughs> – do not understand that go into all of it but mm-hmm. from my perspective it gets frustrating watching that over and over and over again
0: now i again i'm aware that you've seen the mentions for us on twitter brooke i feel like there are people among us who feel like they might be qualified to call plays for the pittsburgh steelers even if they yeah. lack perhaps the same information that you and i might know about play calling or you might i don't know about play calling um it's a tough job for sure but it, it seems like this offense, like you said, struggling to run the ball, struggling to catch the football. And then I think the third concern, and maybe this is just my own imagined concern, maybe it's not meaningful. This is why I want to ask you because you were someone who was watching this team on a very close basis. When it comes to Ben Roethlisberger, this offense has been really built around getting the ball out quickly, uh, avoiding sacks, avoiding hits for Roethlisberger, and then Really not throwing the ball very deep. It's a lot of very short pass attempts, a lot of very quick pass attempts. Do you attribute that to a strategy to keep Ben Roethlisberger healthy? Do you can do you attribute that to possibly concerns about Ben Roethlisberger's ability to throw deep uh, after surgery at age thirty-eight? I mean, why do you think this offense ended up being constructed this way? And do you think there are reasons to be concerned about Ben Rothers Ben Roethlisberger's ability? to work outside of that, those confines for this offense.
2: You know what I think is interesting is that we hear Mike Tomlin say all the time, we don't plan our fears. We don't exist in our fears. They just, they don't, if you listen to Mike Tomlin, he says, we're, we're not going to worry about our fears, mm-hmm. but it seems like in the way that they're managing Ben Roethlisberger this year, they are kind of living in their fears um, because of these quick pass attempts, trying to get the ball off quickly he's having to get the ball off quickly because the offensive line can't sustain uh, a pocket for a long time. I mean, this uh, again, goes back to the lack of physicality, the age there. I mean, he really has no choice, but to get the ball out quickly. So Mm -hmm. it, it is a Testament. He has not been sacked very much this season, but that's also just kind of how this is working. But I think a lot about what Mike Tomlin said in training camp, where he said, you know, his spiral maybe wasn't quite as tight as he's seen it in the past. And then he was asked about that earlier this week, and he said, I don't remember having that conversation with you guys. I have so many. I can't remember that one. And it's like, well, I, mm, that might be true, but, like, that's kind of a notable one. We we don't usually talk about the mechanics of Ben's throws, and this is kind of important. But I think that, you know, they they are wary of – they don't want to wear out his elbow, even though he says that his elbow feels fine, and he is throwing, like, 50-some passes a game, but he's not on his – it's not like he's throwing 50 deep bombs a game. Right. You know, these are short passes that look more like, you know, they're, they're a product of the run game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that they're trying to protect it in some ways for longevity because even he said today, you know, my elbow feels good right now, but I check in with, with the doctors, with, you know, strength guys constantly because we've never gone through a full season mm-hmm. with my elbow being repaired. So we don't know when that drop-off is going to be, if it's going to happen. because you you know if your body's going to break down you want that to happen in february not in december so they are constantly monitoring that but i do think in a lot of ways they are they they know that the offense needs to run through ben but it's not going to be the ben of 2018 when he you know had the passing record for that year or led the had the passing title for that year because they just don't want to stress the elbow and his body and everything else, they want to keep him as protected as possible, because mm-hmm. any version of Ben Roethlisberger is better than what they had last year.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very true. Now, having addressed those concerns, are we talking about those issues? This has been a problem for several weeks now. And like you said, there had been those sort of moments where you thought, OK, this is going to be the wake up call. call. This is going to be the wake up call. This is going to be the wake up call. They're still asleep. I mean, the last three games we've seen, they've been asleep for the vast majority of those contests. So having talked about those concerns, having talked about wanting to keep Ben healthy for the remainder of the season, having talked about the issues using personnel appropriately, the changes throughout the year when it's come to maybe who's making the decisions on what plays to call, having lost two straight, having nearly lost three straight with a Difficult schedule after this week, the Bengals game on Monday night, you'd figure not especially tough, uh, but the Colts and the Browns to finish the year, still a viable path to the first overall seed, especially if the Chiefs lose to the Saints this Sunday. Brooke, what do you think is going to happen with this offense? Do you expect them to make changes and and change their style? Or do you think they're going to sit here and say, Hey, uh, we have the right idea. And if we just stick with what we do and just execute it better, we're going to be fine.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, that's what I kind of expect. I don't think that we're going to see a drastic change in the Steelers from the Monday night game or the Sunday night game against the bills to Monday night against the Bengals. I just, I don't think that we are at the point in the season where we're going to see them feel the need to have this drastic overhaul, especially because what they were doing in, it, or a form of what they were doing, obviously worked for 10, 11 games. Um, I think that they just need to get back to that. And maybe that means get back to just catching the ball, you know, just, just some basic things like that because it was working, but you also have to figure defenses are starting to figure that out. They do need to stretch the ball down the field a little bit more, but this team has been, and, and talking with Mike Tomlin and Ben Rathausberger and Randy Feekner, they feel like this offense in its form right now is fixable it might not necessarily be an easy fix but it is fixable and it's not going to require you know rewriting everything at this point and blowing it up with three games left in the regular season Mm -hmm. um I do think this is where they will have this having a full week to prepare and even an extra day because it's a Monday night game is really going to help out after doing three games in 12 days You know, when they have things like the jet motion and stuff like that, the things that Matt Canada really likes to add in the misdirection, Mm -hmm. those are are techniques and things that you really need to practice to get the timing down right. And when you have these short weeks of practice and different, you know, okay, we're going to play Thursday. No, we're going to play Sunday. Just kidding. Monday. All right, fine. Wednesday. (laughs) changing things up like that, you don't have the same time to get the rhythm down. Mm-hmm. And so I think that having this full week is really going to fix some of that stuff. And they have a full week to, you know, watch film, get back on the practice field, just be able to work through some of those things and having James Conner and Marquis Pouncy back while they're trying to make those corrections, I think is really going to help. So they're they're lucky in the sense that that they do have this extended time. They are pretty healthy. Now they did have, some significant injuries online against the Bills with mm-hmm. uh, Matt Filer going on IR, Kevin Dotson, his replacement, getting hurt with a shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. Thankfully it's not a pec injury because that would be a much longer recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Shukes for dealing with an ankle injury. So the line has to work through, through some things, but at least most of the skill players are healthy. I mean,
0: you know, you mentioned having that extra day of preparation and more time to prepare and having three games in 12 days. This is a team now where realistically, they haven't had their bye week all season. And we've Mm -hmm. sort of had this in the back of our heads of, okay, they're not going to get this rest. But there's always been that sort of thing hanging over it of, oh, well, as long as they're the number one seed, they're fine, because they'll get their week off before the postseason. I mean, do you think some of this just comes down to the Steelers being tired after such a, a bizarre, strenuous season?
2: Yeah. And you know what? I think that they are really hesitant to say that that is contributing to it just because this team takes, you know, Mike Tomlin's tone and attitude and the standard Mm -hmm. is the standard, no excuses kind of thing. But I think that not only is there a physical toll of being tired, I think the mental toll is also something that we don't talk enough about, especially going back to that Wednesday game that gets moved around because I think the Steelers felt like at that point enough is enough. And yes, they understand that there are much bigger things in the world going on than football, sure. but it's also okay to be frustrated about your own situation. And the guys I heard from, you know, they were frustrated because that the game on Thanksgiving, they're supposed to play Thanksgiving night. And then they were going to be off. I believe it was t- until the following Wednesday, it was a longer break than they would normally get after a Thursday game. And Mike Tomlin told them hey, this is to make up for the fact that we didn't really have a buy. This is your mini buy. Spend time with your families. Get your bodies right. Just like take a load off, recalibrate for down the stretch. And I think that in a situation like that where you look forward to something in that way and like, okay, we didn't get a bye week. That stinks. But here's our silver lining. We're going to get a break after the Thanksgiving game. We're going to reset. And then we're going to be good to go down the stretch. And then not only do they not get that, but their game has changed a handful more times and they're having to constantly change their plan. They're having to, okay, we're going to start our 48 hour process on Sunday. Just kidding. Now we're going to start it on Monday. Like I just think that all of that upheaval that's a lot to deal with. And then you add in the injuries that they've had to guys like Bud Dupree, who he's really the glue guy for this locker room on offense and defense. I mean, every, you talk to anybody on the team, they love Bud Dupree and mm-hmm. him going down and tearing his ACL. Yes. They, I mean, they, they can plug Alex Highsmith in on the field. He's still new and there's some issues that come with that, but you can't replace the charisma and the personality and just the energy that Bud Dupree brings. So it was just, mm-hmm. it was really one thing after another. And I think that that has really affected this team and they have to pull themselves out of this slump as difficult as it's going to be.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think they still have a shot? Like, do you think, after what you've seen over the past two or three weeks that they are capable of getting back to where they were earlier in the season or do you just think that you know like you said the the combination of the injuries the lack of rest now possibly losing the number one seed and being stuck you know having possibly to travel to kansas city for a afc championship game or um you know having to play without a bye week for the entire season i mean do you think they still have that in them to pull it out? And, and what do you think you have to see from them over the next three weeks to have more confidence in that as we hit the postseason?
2: You know, I never want to count a team out, especially because there are just intangibles that, you know, you, when you hear a guy like Ben Roethlisberger say, everybody take a deep breath, we're going to be fine you really do want to believe that everything will be fine because Ben is not going to let this team lose. And, you know, he he's going to put them on his back and, and carry them through the postseason. And I think that, that that could be possible, but then I also look at the way that this season has gone for the Steelers. And even before they started losing to me, they had more performances where they looked like, I don't want to say a lost team, but a team that, that still didn't have its identity they had more of those performances or playing down to the level of competition than they did just outright dominating teams. You know, they, they dominated the Bengals earlier this season, they dominated the Jaguars, but kind of outside of that, I mean, they could play one really good half, but then struggle in the other one. And I just don't think that we saw them consistently put it together enough to play complimentary football, even when they had most of their pieces, Mm-hmm. To be able to say, "You know what? I think that they're going to be able to get back to that because they only reached that on such an infrequent basis. I mean, even the Browns game, they came out and destroyed them for three quarters. And then if I'm remembering correctly, there were a couple times in the fourth quarter where they weren't quite closing it out the way that you expected. So I think that as much as I want to see them rebound because it's just such a cool story, and I think that, Mike Tomlin deserves to be in the conversation for coach of the year, if not a front runner, Mm -hmm. I just don't know if they can get back to what they were doing against the Jaguars because they haven't done it that often this season. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's been really an interesting season to watch because they're such a unique team. The expectations are so high and, you know, for 11 weeks, they were not always perfect, but, You know, playing not always the toughest competition were great for 11 weeks and right to always come up with that big play when they needed it or that big stop when they needed a big stop. And then the last couple of weeks just hasn't worked out. But I mean, you know, I I still do think that even if it's an uneven end to the season, still think they're a team people aren't going to want to play come January.
2: Right. I don't think so either. I I think the thing that, that the Steelers were able to do well early on that could make them a dangerous postseason team is that they were able to win a lot of games that they probably shouldn't have when they did not play their best and they still won. Um, you know, the Cowboys game comes to mind when they really they they played terribly and I thought that that would be their first loss, but they were able to pull out the win and do just enough to keep from losing that game. And I think that that's where some teams that aren't as good or don't have the same veteran leadership do kind of crumple and lose that game. And I think that that's where that difference there is going to help in the postseason when you can do just enough to beat another team Um, because, you know, the records are thrown out and, and all that, you know, all those cliches. But I think that that edge and that experience will help the Steelers when we get to the postseason. And it helps at this point, too, that they have already locked up their, their postseason appearance. They're going to be in the playoffs. It's just a matter of, of their seeding. I don't know that we're going to see them get the number one seed because that would require them to essentially win out and cross their fingers at the Chiefs lose. And I don't, even if Patrick Mahomes is mortal and throwing interceptions, I still don't think that's going to happen. Um, but it, it would be, the Steelers would be thrilled if they got the bye to actually get a week of rest. Um, but you know, yeah, it's been an interesting season. It's not the season I thought we were going to have in, in mm-hmm. any way, shape or form, but it's one that like, I'm glad that my job is paying me, you know, to watch this once undefeated team for 11 games every Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Thursday, <laughs> and literally every day of the week at this point.
0: <laughs> right. Well, regardless of when the Steelers play, you are covering the Steelers every day. Please, please tell people where they can check out your coverage on the Steelers beat.
2: Uh, you can find it on Twitter at D E prior and on E on ESPN.com under uh, the NFL nation tab.
0: Awesome. Well, Brooke, thank you so much.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Thanks so much again to my guests from ESPN, Mike Triplett and Brooke Pryor. And by the way, if you heard some growling during Brooke's segment, that was not me. That were, uh, that was Brooke's dogs. who were playing, during the segment dogs as you know if you're a longtime listener to the show are a welcome contribution we do not leave dogs off the show or dog noises dog noises are always welcome on the bill bornwell show so brooks dogs are playing um but hope you guys enjoyed the show two really fascinating teams there with the saints and steelers we are almost done three weeks left with the regular season it's crazy hope you guys enjoy uh the thursday night game this week i hope you guys are in the fantasy playoffs for your league. And I hope that you are staying healthy and happy this holiday season. We have more football audio coming next week. So check that out and talk to you guys next week.